Welcome to Momentum Church. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Brantley Johnson. I'm the executive pastor here at Momentum Church. Uh, and I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you're like me, but whenever it comes to, like, justice and stuff, I like whenever the good guy wins and the bad guy dies. Anybody like when the bad guy dies? Anybody willing to be honest about that? Like, when the bad guy dies, I give a little fist pump. Like, <clears throat> that's what I do. That, that's that's kind of that's kind of what that's kind of my personality um, in general uh, is I like whenever the bad guy loses I like when the other team loses. <laughs> uh, as a baseball coach, man, I'm, I, I celebrate when the other team loses. I try to keep it under control, try to keep my cool, you know, act like you've been there before. But whenever we send the winning run in, I'm like, oh snap, it's getting real, you know, like. <clears throat> It's a good day for me. So I, I want to, I what I'd like to do is I'd like to go into scripture this morning and, and like get us just, just get us started on, on the scripture and then we'll get into some stuff. All right. So I'd like for you to go to Psalm chapter 89, verse 14. This is a scripture you need to memorize. All right. Now I know that we don't always hear that from stage, right? Like, but you need to memorize this verse. Okay. It's one verse, everybody. Can everybody say I'll do one verse. I'll do one verse, okay? Because I, I know a lot of people, we don't like reading our Bibles, let alone memorizing stuff. But I'm telling you, if you memorize this, it's going to be a good reminder for you for the rest of your life, all right? I promise you, for those of you who, who know me, right, and have been around my teaching for a while, can you just let everybody know it's going to be all right? <clears throat> it's going to be all right. Yeah, look. Psalm 89, 14, it says that uh, uh, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before you. We're talking about God here, all right? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before you. Now, this is important for us to understand, right? Like, as, we talk about, as, as we talk about his throne, we're talking about his kingdom, all right? We're talking about his presence in our life, where he chooses to set up camp, if you will. Right? It's, it's where he wants to be. Where, where do you want his presence to be? And I, I, think, I think as Christians, it's okay for us to say, like, yeah, I'd like his presence in my life. Like, maybe you don't even know fully what that means, but you're like, well, it's God, so it can't be bad, right? You know? Like, yeah, I'll take his presence. Anybody in that camp? Like, you're like, yeah. I, maybe I don't know exactly what it is, but I'll, I'll be happy taking some of that. Right? Well, one of the things that we have to understand is, like, what do each of these pieces mean? For us, And, you know, as we talk about justice, I like when the good guy wins and the bad guy dies. And you've all agreed with me that that is the right approach. And if you think that you are happy when the bad guy wins, we have counseling for you. We will pray for deliverance for you. Like, there is something wrong. <laughs> I think it's just inside of us, right? I, I hate movies with sad endings. Okay, I, I need to know that somebody is on my side. Anybody hate a movie with a, with a sad ending? Thank you. I'm going to ruin some movies for you <clears throat> right now. I'm going to ruin some movies. If you haven't seen them, they're a couple of years old. Like, you deserve to have it ruined at this point. Ford versus Ferrari. Anybody seen that movie? Great movie until the last 30 seconds of it. Like, what are you doing? I paid good money to be happy. 
And then you had to let him die in the last 30 seconds in front of his kid. What? <clears throat> You're welcome. Everybody, you have just witnessed a movie being ruined. <sighs> you want me to ruin Mandalorian for you as well? No. Okay, all right. I won't. <laughs> I hate a sad ending, right? I took my wife to watch uh, The Newest Little Women a couple of years ago, and I didn't know anything about it. Believe it or not, I didn't read the book. I didn't even know it was a book until she asked for it for her birthday. And um, so I took her to go see Little Women, and I don't know anything about this. I just know it's a chick flick, and my wife wants to see it, so I'm a man. I'll go, and I'll I'll support my wife, and I'll sit through Little Women like a man. (laughs) But doggone it, it better have a happy ending. I get connected, even in chick flicks, I get connected to these movies. And, And so, like, Joe or Josephine, I think that's her name, Josephine, am I right? Okay, yeah, Joe. Like, we make it through the first three hours of this movie. Make it through the first three hours of this movie, and everything's going all right, but then I start getting worried, right? Because bad stuff starts happening, and I know we've got to come close to the end at this point. But bad stuff starts happening, and I lean over to my wife, and I'm like, if Joe ends up sad and alone, I'm going to be ticked. This is the worst birthday present ever. Thankfully, she ends up marrying the guy and starting the school and and everything is right with the world, right? But I think it's just kind of inside of us that that we're supposed to have a happy ending. I think it's I think it's I think it's put inside of us by God. Like it's just some sort of innate thing that's inside of us. That's that's justice, right? But sometimes can I be honest that like it doesn't always work out that way. Like, sometimes bad things happen, and we hate it when they happen. Bad things happen to people. And, and this scripture, I, I think, is really important. I think it's important that we kind of set up the, the fact that this is a good uh, a recipe for life. But sometimes in scripture, we can understand something and still not fully understand all of the details. Like, it's not going to work exactly the same in every single detail. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, like we understand how healing uh, uh, can happen, how we can pray for healing, we can command healing. Um, we, we know that sometimes at the word of the testimony, like all, all of a sudden healing is unlocked uh, for other people. We understand some of these concepts, but at the same time, as much as we understand about praying uh, with the authority that Jesus has given us for healing, sometimes healing doesn't happen. Right, so as much as we understand about it, sometimes it doesn't work the way that we want it to work. <clears throat> That's kind of what we deal with, with with this passage of Scripture. You know, it's, it's going to be a really solid foundation for you, and I think it's a good foundation for life. Uh, um, but it, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be exactly the way that you want it to. This isn't a genie in a lamp. It's a Scripture that illustrates a general principle about the intricacies and, and the complicated nature of the way that God works on this earth. And whenever you serve a God who is so far outside of time and and understanding, like he's going to give us the best understanding that we can have, but sometimes in our best understanding, it still doesn't work out exactly the way that we want it to. And so justice is one of these things where like whenever God sets up his throne in your life, whenever he he sets up his presence, you know, the the kingdom of heaven in, in your life, like justice is going to be there. 
Just so you know, he cares a lot about it. You know, I'm reminded of, of scripture whenever uh, in Exodus, right, where uh, it talks about a thief and, and the penalty for a thief. I, I don't know if you've ever read it, but, but there's this passage where it says that um, if a thief is caught stealing uh, your oxen or your cattle or whatever, um, and, and the animals are still alive, then he's commanded to give that back to you double what he took from you. Right? And then, and then there's another passage where it talks about if a thief uh, uh, kills whatever it is that he stole from you, well, now he, has, he owes you five times what he took from you. <clears throat> and, and sometimes we get lost in Exodus and Leviticus and all of the different rules and laws that go along with that until we start to understand, like, these were physical laws that were given for a specific time physically, but now some of those laws we no longer do physically, but instead they transcend into the New Testament into spiritual laws, And whenever you suddenly understand that, now all of a sudden I'm thinking about all of these laws about thieves, uh, the ones that that steal from you, the ones that steal and kill and destroy. And now I'm thinking, oh, I think I've heard this before in the New Testament where Jesus talks about Satan, the enemy of our hearts, one who has come like a thief to steal, to kill and destroy. And can I tell you that wherever God's throne is, wherever his kingdom is, justice is set up. And if you catch that thief, then all of a sudden he's commanded to pay you back. I'd like that in my life. I'm reminded last year my wife uh, had cancer. Um, and you know, we, we went through all the highs and lows with cancer that, that you can have. And, um, I'm going to just not look at you. Well, that's my wife over there. I'm going to come back over here. I can't look at her right now. Like we, we go into this mode of we're dealing with cancer now. And you know, like we're, we're talking about all of the bills and stuff that most likely are coming in and. And then one day my, my dryer breaks, and in the same day, the brakes on my car go out. And so now we got all of, this, all of these other financial issues that are coming up. And, and so I got to fix all these things. So I, I buy all of the parts and whatnot. And, um, and, and, and so then I pull the, the, the wheels off, the, the, the tires off, right? And, and I get to the, the brake pads, I pull them off, and now I get to the rotors, and, and the rotors are seized on to the axle. And so I'm like, I'm watching YouTube videos trying to figure out how in the world do I get these rotors off? And they're all saying, like, use a rubber mallet, and you pound on them until eventually you break it loose with some WD-40 and whatnot. And so I'm under the car, already stressed, already angry, and I'm beating on these rotors, and then the dang handle breaks in half off of my mallet. Anybody in here ever been so angry that you cried? That is where I was. I was so angry. And, and I'm like, man, Lord, I, already I'm dealing with my wife with cancer. Like, is that not bad enough? Now the dryer breaks. We can't do our clothes. I got to fix that. Now the, the brakes go out and I got to fix that. And, and, and as I'm doing that, everything in the world is going wrong. And, and now my, the mallet on my hammer breaks in half. Who does that? How does that happen? And I started remembering back to Exodus. There's a penalty for thieves. And I was so angry. And I wasn't angry at God. I was angry at the enemy. And I was like, 
You're a thief. You did this to me. You did this. And you're going to pay me back and you're going to pay me double for this. I found you. I know it was you. You're going to pay me back. All of the parts, everything that I needed, it was $250. Everything I needed to fix the dryer, to fix the, the brakes, $250. The next morning, after everything's fixed, I'm headed to Home Depot and I get a call from a family member. And he says, you know, me and my wife, we went through a rough time a while back and uh, people took care of us, uh, even whenever we didn't ask for anything. And y'all haven't asked anything, but... Um, I just want to let you know that my wife is on, on her way to your house right now with an envelope for $500. I'm going to just, just tell you where God's kingdom is, his justice is. I caught the thief. And in Jesus' name, justice showed up. My wife, to this day, healthier than any doctor can explain. By the time they were done with surgery, the doctor said, I should be putting you on medication right now. With, with how bad that cancer was, I should be putting you on medication. <laughs> but everything's clear. I can't put you on any medication because there's nothing to treat. <laughs> I tell you that you, you, need, you need God's justice in your life. You need that. You know, and, and, and so many times whenever we think about justice, we think about the bad guy getting what he deserves, you know? But can I tell you that it's also the good guy getting what he deserves? Some of y'all have been doing good for a long time, and you wonder why things haven't been going the way that you thought that they would. Maybe you need a little bit more of God's kingdom in your life, because that's where you're going to find justice. And if you... Let's just put it this way. Like if you owned a company and you were selling it and in the contract you sold it for $5 million and the other people only gave you $2 million, right? Well, justice is that they, uh, they fulfill that part of the contract and they give you the other $3 million. Anybody in here want the rest of the $3 million in Jesus' name? Yeah. Yeah, and guess what? Can I tell you something? That with the justice of God, that $3 million shows up. This is not a wealth sermon, by the way. So it, 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 we, need his, we need his justice in our lives, you know? And where his kingdom is, where his throne is established, where the foundations of his throne are, you're going to find justice. You're also going to find righteousness, though. Righteousness, right? Like, as you look throughout Scripture, because you can do a whole lot of research on righteousness, and you're going to find a lot of different answers. And so as a pastor, it's my job to try to figure out as I look at Scripture, like, what is, what is, the, what is this in context trying to get at. Honestly, in context, I think it's a lot. I don't think it's one, one bit of righteousness because you go into Exodus and Leviticus, you're going to find one kind of definition of righteousness that deals a lot with the Levitical priests um, and whatnot. If you go into the New Testament, you listen to Jesus, you're going to find where righteousness is talking about fasting and prayer and giving to the poor and that kind of stuff. But ultimately, what I think that this verse is talking about is righteousness in general, where righteousness, the word, is, is right standing, right standing with God. Wherever his kingdom is, you're going to find things in right 
standing. So if, 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 for instance, you allow the Lord to set up his kingdom in your life, you're going to start to find things that are in right standing. And I think that also goes to, to include the idea of shalom. Shalom is this idea of wholeness and completeness. If you say shalom, you feel like you have to add phlegm for whole and complete, you know, like feel very Jewish in that moment, you know. But it's a wholeness and completeness. It's where things are in right order, you know. And, and whenever all of a sudden you get more of God's kingdom into your life, more of his presence established in your life, especially for those of you that are struggling in relationships, you're struggling in your marriage, you're struggling with your kids, you're struggling uh, financially, whatever that is, like whenever you welcome more of God's presence into your life, all of a sudden stuff starts to feel more whole and complete. And I'm not saying that everything is a happy ending every single day of your life. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that all of a sudden you start to look ahead and you say, we're not to the end of the movie yet. And I know by the end of the movie, God's justice and righteousness are going to be right here. And righteousness is that right standing where it's like things in my life feel right. But guess what it also is? It's also that I'm living in right standing with God. It's like, it's like a recipe, but people don't like to look at the Bible as a recipe, right? It's, it's, it's laws. You're not allowed to do these things, right? You're not allowed to dance naked on the tables. <laughs> Pretty sure that was somewhere in scripture. Maybe not. Probably. Yeah, look, like, like it's, it's the laws. It's, it's all the things that you're not supposed to do, right? God's ruining your fun. But can I tell you that it's more like a recipe for something really good? Like a lot of Christians like to look at God's recipe for chocolate chip cookies. And they're like, you can't tell me how to make chocolate chip cookies. I'm going to use dill pickle chips instead of chocolate chips. <laughs> can I just tell you that's not going to taste good? Like God wants to give you a recipe for a better life. He wants to give you a recipe for justice and righteousness. He wants to give you the recipe for completeness and wholeness. He wants to give you the, 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 the recipe for restoration in your life. But you got to follow the recipe. And here's the thing about a recipe is that, right, like you get good stuff, right? And I would say that the righteousness and justice, honestly, are the cookies for us, right? They're the cookies, but there's always instruction that leads up to a promise from God. Always. They're always good. God has good promises, but a lot of times as Christians, we don't like the instructions that go with, the, with it, right? And so here's the thing. If you look at that passage, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. We're like, yeah, now that I understand righteousness and justice, give me some of that. But what we don't like is the fact that God says, mercy and truth go before my kingdom is ever going to be set up. Mercy and truth are going to go before righteousness and justice get set up in your life. Like you just got to understand, if you want righteousness and justice, first thing you have to do is start moving in mercy and truth. I don't like the idea of mercy. I, I'll just be honest. I took a, uh, I, has anybody taken spiritual gifts test before? Spiritual gifts test, few of you. Okay, so there's, there's these tests, right? Go to freespiritualgiftstest.com. Like they get, some of these spiritual tests give gift uh, test, whatever, they get really wild with some of the spiritual gifts that they create. Like, you are a skilled craftsman. And I'm like, I don't own any tools yet, you know? Like, 
I don't know, but, but like if you just go with the basic spiritual gifts test, right? There's nine spiritual gifts or whatever, and um, I, I don't know. They, they come up with all these different things. Mercy is one of the options that you could be gifted with. It was the lowest on my test. I scored very high on death and destruction. Didn't even know those were spiritual gifts, but I scored high on those. Right, I think mercy, mercy is one of those things, though, that, like, once again, we have to look at this in context. Look at it in context, right? Because mercy, we associate just with, like, a justice system, you know, guilty or innocent. But I don't think it applies like that in this context. Because if we were talking about mercy as in everybody's innocent at all times, you're all innocent, you never have to worry about anything, if that was what it was, then why is justice showing up? Like, there would be no need for justice at that point. Does that make sense? So it doesn't matter what happens in your life. Everything's all good. You're innocent no matter what at all times. Don't worry about it. Why do we have justice then? Well, because I don't think that whenever we look at that word mercy, it's, it's in the form of a justice system. I think whenever we look at mercy, it's more along the lines of compassion that we would see out of Jesus. Um, let's, can we throw up, there's a, there's a definition and then I want to go straight into the verse, Olivia. Mercy uh, is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Now let's go into the verse. This is Jesus talking, is in John 17. So Jesus is talking, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Nope, this is not the one that I was looking for. This one's later. Matthew 9, let's do Matthew 9. That's it. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. That is mercy. That is compassion. See, Jesus looked at a crowd of people that did not yet know his value, but he knew theirs. They didn't yet know the value of him in their life, but he knew their value to God. That's compassion. That's mercy. See, whenever you can walk through a store and realize you have just passed by somebody who currently feels like nobody has, has acknowledged their existence this week. I know that that's a strange reality for a lot of people, but there are some people who you walk through a store, you walk into work, and you're like, this is the next group of people that will not know I'm here. But Jesus never did that one time. Every single time he saw people, he felt compassion for them. He felt value for them. And he said, I know you don't know me yet, but I value your life. And it doesn't matter what you've done in the past to make you feel the way that you currently feel. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you cheated on your boyfriend. I mean, it does matter in this moment, but like for Jesus, looking at a crowd of people, he's like, I don't care about the fact that you cheated on your boyfriend in the past. I don't, I don't care about the fact that you blew all of your money gambling. I don't care that you now are in such a bad financial position, you would rather go home and die then try to figure out how there could ever be any way for you to move forward. See, Jesus looked at all of these different people and he said, I don't, I don't care what you've done. 
I really don't. I just see value in your life. You have so much to offer the king of kings. Whether you feel like that or not, I see value in you. I I feel compassion for you. And see, we, we we can find the Christians who who take that to the complete wrong end, right? And, and this is where we have to be careful because it's mercy, it's compassion, and truth. Everybody say and. and. That word is not or. A lot of Christians like to insert the word or into that, into that passage. Mercy or truth, compassion or truth. Can I tell you, though, it's and. It's not or. And so where a lot of Christians will find themselves is, is on standing on one side of either truth or the other side of mercy and compassion. And, and what that can look like on the mercy and compassion is like, oh, we're just supposed to love everybody no matter what. Like everything that you're doing is okay. Everything you're doing is okay. Just keep doing, Jesus loves you no matter, no matter what you're doing. I know you've been a believer for the past 15 years and you should know that you still shouldn't be living with your person who's not your, 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 your spouse. I know that you shouldn't be getting drunk, but that's okay. You just keep getting drunk. It's all going to be fine. Keep taking those pills. It's all going to be fine. Keep gossiping. Keep ruining relationship after relationship because you can't trust anybody. It's okay. We love you. Do whatever you want to do. We love you. We have compassion. That's not what it is. It is, though, no matter what you've done, I see your value. No matter where you are in this instant, I still see your value. Doesn't mean that we approve of it. The and truth part is where that comes into balance, right? Everything in scripture, it's all balanced. And truth. All right, now I want that scripture for John. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. That's interesting, right? This is, this is the part to focus in on. Jesus says, look, I'm not of the world, and I don't want you to be removed from the world. What I want you to do is I want you to live differently than the world. That's the truth. Can you put that definition of truth up there for me? Look, you can find a lot of different definitions for truth. This is what, based off of Scripture, I can figure out for the word truth, the definition of truth. It's the difference between people of God and the rest of the world. If you're doing what the rest of the world is doing, you are not separated in living in truth. That's just the way that it is. Like, if you know every time I get together with family, we're going to drink a lot. And that's just what we do as family. Like, I can't escape that because that's just what we do as family. Yeah, you can. You can escape that. Can I empower you for a minute? Next time you go to hang out with family, you say the word no. It's, it's really, like, as complicated as addiction is, as complicated as, as dealing with family can be and, and relationships and, well, we've always done it like this. I've always been with this group of friends. This time, I want to empower you in the name of Jesus. You can just say no. And if you want to be less Brantley-like, you can say no thank you. 
right? People don't come to me for counseling because I'm too direct. I tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. Like, I'm the type of person, the, the other, uh, last night, my, my, uh, my kid was telling me, thankfully he was joking, right? Because I about, I about killed him. And he, he went to a party and he was like, yeah, I had cookie cake. I was like, it's awesome. Did you get a good piece? He's like, yeah, I had a piece that was probably the size of a piece of paper. And I was like, what the crap are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, no, oh, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I was like, good, because I about threw my shoe at you and told you to stop being an idiot. Like, I want, I want to give you Christian advice in three easy steps. Love God, love people, stop being an idiot. <laughs> There's your counseling session. It costs you nothing unless you tithe. All right? Thank you very much. <laughs> like, we've got to be okay walking in truth, right? But, but the, the other side of that pendulum can be that you swing it so far away from anybody that all you see is all the sinful people. All I see is sinful people out there, and I got nothing to do with anybody. I don't talk to anybody out in the store. I don't talk to anybody in my community. I don't talk to the people at my job because they're all less than me because I'm sanctified. I'm separated. I'm walking in truth. You also missed it. You know, it's like Pastor Ross always teaches us that, that it's, it's that balance. It's in the balance between those two things, between truth and compassion. It's the balance between being set apart and sanctified for God and being compassionate and seeing the value in people and wanting to love people. It's in that balance of both of those that we then become transformational. That's how we become transformational. If you swing to one side or the other, you will not be transformational. You're not going to bring people to Jesus, and you're not going to bring the kingdom of God into your own life. If you want the kingdom of God in your life, you cannot have it unless you walk in both mercy and truth. Last thing on truth here, let's, let's go to John chapter 3. What is it, John 4? Put it up there, 4. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. Anybody know who stands in front of the king's throne, the king of king's throne? The worshipers. If you want to be in God's presence, you want to be in front of that throne... You have to be willing to live a life that is different than the rest of the world. You have to. You know, what, what I love about God is that he didn't want to set up all of those commandments. Did you know that he didn't want 613 commandments in the Old Testament? Did you know that? He didn't even want 10 commandments. Right? He, if you go back and you read, he's like, can y'all just, coming out of Egypt, can y'all just live like Abraham? That's all I want you to do. One commandment. Live like Abraham. He put me first. That's all that you have to do. And they're like, nah, we'll take the list. <laughs> and so God was like, all right, I'll give you 10 commandments. How about that? I'll just do 10. Let's just do 10. Can we start with 10? And so then all of a sudden God gives Moses the 10 commandments. He's like, all right, they couldn't even do 10. Check them out. Go down there. Those are your people. Those aren't my people. Those are your people, Moses. So he walks down to the mountain and he sees and he's like, 
All right, break these in half, right? God, we got to do more. Give us the list. He's like, that's not, that's not what it was about, right? The idea of walking in truth is, is that I'm going to live separate. I'm going to live different than the rest of the world. If we walked like Abraham, we would live different than the rest of the world. And I'm saying just, just live sanctified, live, live separate, live holy. Like choose to make decisions that actually follow God, even though the rest of your friends don't understand, even though the rest of your family doesn't understand, even though the rest of your, your coworkers don't understand. It's okay. Can I tell you that conversation may feel awkward, but it's going to be okay? I want to give you permission this morning. Feel a little awkward. Walk into work tomorrow and say, hey, guys, I'm going to do things differently today. That's not going to be a comfortable conversation, but it is going to be a good one. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to start to welcome in God's kingdom into your life. Then all of a sudden, look, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to just prophesy over you. All of a sudden, all of your calls are going to go better. All of your sales are going to come up, right? You're going to, you're going to start to close contracts. You're going to start to make people happy because God's kingdom, his righteousness and his justice are going to come into your life a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. As you keep trying to walk in mercy and truth, things are going to get better and better. You're going to have his righteousness and his justice. You're going to have his love and his mercy. You're going to have his his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. You're going to start to, to rebuild your relationships, restore your marriage, get out of addiction. Oh, you're going to receive healing. You're going to receive deliverance. It's all going to happen. Why? Because his kingdom is being set up in your house. You know, it's, it's hard for people to, to read scripture that says where Jesus is, is, is saying, look, you're not, you're gonna, this time is not going to pass away before you see my kingdom come. It's not because he's talking about a, a new heaven and new earth yet. No, he's saying, look, y'all are going to operate in mercy and truth. And when you operate in mercy and truth, all of a sudden things are going to start to fit into place. Because that's where my throne is set up. So this morning, I just want to pray. I want to pray for you. Like, if you want God's kingdom to start being set up in your, in your household, in your marriage, with your children, with your work, with your friendships, you want that kingdom to start taking place, and it's going to have to come at a commitment from you. That commitment of saying, Lord, that's what I want in my life. Give me mercy and truth. Help me to walk in both compassion and sanctification. Help me to live differently than the rest of the world so that I can be an example. I'm not living differently so that I can be better. I'm living differently so that I can represent Jesus to everybody else. And then all of a sudden, when my life starts making sense, I start walking in the favor and the blessings of God. There are gonna be people that go, I don't know how you do it. I know you've dealt with cancer. I know you've dealt with joblessness. I know you've dealt with homelessness. I know you've dealt with addiction. You shouldn't have a happy ending right now. And then you say, I put mercy and truth before him. And now I've got righteousness and justice in my life. God wants us to have that happy ending. And there are bumps along the way, 
There are things that we don't like that happen, right? This doesn't get rid of tragedy in our lives. It does not. But what it does is, is it does guarantee righteousness and justice are coming. Right standing is coming on this side or the next or both. It's coming. But mercy and truth go first. Let's pray. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.